Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Hello, welcome to another Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, we're three weeks in now. How's it going? It's going well. And I took a lot of advice. I haven't got anything done, but much off of last week's podcast, I really do think this is prime time for snagging a guy, you know, Allen Robinson, who hasn't lit it up or, you know, I mean, owners start to get frustrated. I'm 0-3. I better start dumping everybody or I'm 3-0. and I'm going to spend like crazy on, you know, Arian Foster or some old dude. So, yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, I've got a couple of teams like that, too. Um, I, I didn't make any moves yet, but I do have – I've got two teams. I thought I was a contender in both. I've started out slow. I'm one and two on one of them, two and one on the other, but I'm not scoring well in either. You know, some of these disappointing guys, especially at the running back position, Gurley, Ingram, um, Devontae Freeman kind of turned it around, but he was, he was hurting me the first couple weeks. So yeah, it's, I think really after this coming week, that's when the moves will really start to be made. And I actually, the, the one trade I did make over the past week was with uh, our guest today. We've got Jeff Miller, He's a writer over at DLF along with me. He's also one of the hosts of the DLF podcast. And Jeff and I, along with you, Matt, are in Hyperactive 4. So I don't know if you saw this deal come through. I sold Keenan Allen. He was one of our players we talked about quite a bit last week with Eric Dickens. I sold Keenan Allen. I got Jarvis Landry, and he helped me quite a bit in that first first game. Uh, So... I know our recommendation was to buy Keenan Allen. That's exactly what Jeff went out and did. He's got a team that's, uh, I don't know, I guess not ready to contend maybe is is the nice way to say that. And, and he made the move to grab Allen. Hopefully Landry will help me uh, this year and, and going forward. The analysis on that one's pretty cut and dry, though. You know, I mean, somebody's playing for next year and somebody's playing for now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Right. I mean, if, if we're just comparing the two and if it's six months from now, then I think I'm still taking – uh, Keenan Allen, but it, it did make sense for me trying to make a push. But anyway, let's welcome welcome Jeff. Jeff, thanks for joining us. How's it going? It's going good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So Jeff, a- along with the podcast, um, which which I love over at DLF, so enjoyable when when you're on there, and and sometimes even when you're not. Uh, <laughs> sometimes even better when you're not. <laughs> uh, one of your other roles at DLF is to write the the weekly series burning questions. Is it five burning questions? I think it's five burning questions. Well, it wasn't. <laughs> so the first year it was five burning questions. Then last year I said, let's just make it burning questions so I can ask as many or as few as I want, depending on how lazy I felt that week. <laughs> right. and, then, and then this year it turned back to five burning questions, but I didn't know that. So the first week there were six questions. <laughs> so I'm just going to. I don't know. It's me. I'll just ask how many other questions I want. And they can call it whatever they want, and we'll meet in the middle somewhere. Yeah, you, you kind of <laughs> you do your own thing, and that's that's part of the appeal. But as we get ready for week four, I'm, I'm just wondering what burning questions are on your mind after these first few weeks of football. The, the, the first one I had penciled on, we already covered. I was going to ask Matt who won the trade. I mean, I feel like it's a pretty even trade, like like you said. It's just a matter of uh, of who needs what. And, uh, yeah, you were very kind calling my roster not ready to compete. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's not ready to compete. I, I sold out to win the league last year, which I did do. And uh, I'm feeling that a little bit now post-Calvin Johnson, who is one of the people I sold out for. So uh, I feel like that was a good trade. You and I make good trades together. We make music together, Ryan. I agree with you, though. I mean, like you said, if you're if you're living for tomorrow, I'd rather have Keenan Allen. If I'm living for today, then I'm with McD here, and I want Landry. And wasn't there a little draft pick something or other involved too, a third rounder or something? No, I, I tried. I, try, I tried for that, and Ryan rebuked me. Yeah, he's a pain in the ass to deal with. <laughs> he's actually a pleasure to deal with because what happens is you send an offer, and then you get an email, and he says, "This is what I want," and then you say, "This is what I want," and you come to a deal pretty easy. There's not a whole lot of not a whole lot of pretense with Ryan. He's he's a pleasure to deal with that way. <laughs> that that doesn't happen often. Uh, it doesn't happen often with me or or really in general. So, uh, I, you know, I think a trade like that that does clearly help both teams. Those seem kind of few and far between in the dynasty world. I, I wish there were more of those, at least in my leagues. Yeah, it, it happens more between I think writers than it does between others. It seems like, and that might just be kind of a sign of mutual respect. It's like I kind of know I'm not going to pull one over on you. 
I, I know that going in, so there's sure. no need. To, there's no need to try. You just kind of cut to the chase. <laughs> yeah, that's the way I look at it. All right. Well, what else? What else do you have on your mind? All right. Here, here's one I want your guys' opinion. We've talked a little bit about it on our podcast, and I've talked a lot about it off of the podcast. Uh, Nick and I argued, bickered back and forth all, all summer about which one of us liked Thomas Rawls more, and it actually led to a mid-podcast changing of our rankings where I moved him up my rankings one, and Nick said, I'm going to bump him up again. So <laughs> we, we were having a, a Thomas Rawls off, and uh, we're both losers. So so Michael looks a lot better than I expected him to ever look. Uh, we've talked a little bit about Michael ourselves, Ryan. So my question for you guys is this. Is Thomas Rawls ever going to see meaningful carries in Seattle? I know that Michael is a restricted free agent after the season. Uh, Rawls has a contract through the end of next year. His cap hits like $700,000. He's not going anywhere. Is is his chance there done with this injury keeping him off the field and, and Michael looking so good? I, I don't think so. Uh, I think he'll certainly get another chance at carries and maybe even get another chance to be the starter there. I, I think what went wrong with Rawls from a fantasy perspective is we assumed or, or presumed too much too soon. We see these young players, they come in, they have two or three or four solid games, and now we're just projecting them to be the starter in Seattle, to be, you know, Jeremy Langford. It's the same thing. He he had a few solid games when Matt Forte was hurt, and now we just assume he's going to be the starter with no competition. Some people assume that at least. And with both of those guys, you know, they're NFL players. They can help their team. They can help fantasy teams. They have dynasty value. But I think if we're assuming those guys are going to be top 10 dynasty running backs, that was probably, you know, that was probably our own fault. Matt, what do you think about about Rawls over there? Yeah, I think it's a strong point that he's going to be in Seattle. He's cheap. He's a good football player. Be a really good backup. I really like Michael, too, though. I mean, I, I think he's earned the number one job. He's going to be hard to uh, knock off that post. So what's Rawls's value? I mean, we know injuries. Everybody's hurt, and somebody's going to get hurt again, and Rawls will be healthy, and he'll get his turn probably at some point. It'd be great to have the two of them if you don't overspend to get them. I mean, in that, that situation, if one of them's always healthy, I think you can do quite well. And if both are healthy, you just kind of keep Rawls in the background. That's a good question overall. I don't have a wonderful answer for it, to be honest. I, I did see him traded in one league this week. It's a tight end premium league, and there's some tight ends involved here, so keep that in mind. But uh, a guy who's looking at next year, he just had a pretty big fire sale, sold Rawls and Antonio Gates for Julius Thomas and Terrell Watson, which I, I thought was a, a pretty sell low sort of a situation. So I don't know if that's what he's going for in every league, but that's what I've seen. So Jeff, I'm, as you mentioned, and, and I know already you, you were a big uh, Rawls fan. And I know you've been looking at, at Kristen Michael, like we all have, if you were forced to take one or the other on your dynasty team, are you still sticking with Rawls or do you have to go Michael at this point? Um. I think at this point, this might be stubborn, but I think I would still stick with Rawls at this point. As much as anything, I'm not sure. Maybe Seattle's had their mind changed. But up until like, I don't know, 10 days ago, they didn't seem convinced at all on Michael, despite the way he's looked thus far, both in the preseason and in the first couple of weeks. Now, the game this last week certainly might have changed their minds, but they seem very much to prefer Rawls for one reason or another. So I would still have to stick with Rawls. That said, for the rest of the season, I think it's Michael, and it's probably not really all that close. It's If he continues to play this way, it'll be real interesting to see if they're willing to pay him once he hits free agency or willing to match the contract. Somebody's probably going to give him a boatload of money. Yeah, and that's, I mean, we're looking way down the road, but I mean, just given the the state of the running back position in the league anyway, I don't think you're going to see many big running back deals regardless of who it is, and, and certainly a guy like Michael. Jeff, any anything else on your mind? Any other burning questions? I got I got just one more. This okay. is a favorite topic of mine. We're <laughs> only one week away from Josh Gordon Day. We're so close, guys. Oh, wow. I can't wait. However, we have had a little complication in the meantime. His name is Cody Kessler, <laughs> uh, who did more than I thought he would, and by that I, I thought he might just not complete one pass. I mean, I thought maybe like an 0 for 30 day was on on the docket. So Corey Coleman's injured. 
you know, it's Terrell Pryor and a bunch of just guys. Uh, how soon can I move Josh Gordon into my top five? <laughs> there's a, wow. There's, I don't know. I think there's a lot that goes into that, obviously, his his off-field stuff. But I do, I mean, I do think, I know you're, you're asking that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but if he comes back and and he has, you know, a couple of these big games, I think people are ready to treat him like a top 10 dynasty wide receiver pretty quickly. I think I have one share left of him that I wasn't able to sell uh, a couple of years ago when, when this all started. So if I get the chance, I will be, I will be flipping him for almost anything of, of decent value. I got him in two leagues is all, but I'm, I'm hopeful still. So if he, if he comes back and posts back-to-back hundred yard games and catches three touchdowns in two weeks, are, are you selling for a random 17 first? If he does that, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I probably. I mean, if he does that, I'll probably be dead though, because I will have gone on like a coke bender or something. <laughs> so don't don't count on me even being around in the event that happens. I have him as my wide receiver twenty three right now. Uh, he'd have to do a lot for me to really move him off of that much, uh, like a lot, lot. And if somebody comes along with the twenty seventeen first, it might be. I don't know. I have irrational love for him. I say that I would do it, but I probably wouldn't do it. <laughs> wow. I actually just updated my my wide receiver rankings at, uh, as well. He is wide receiver twenty nine for me, so he's in he's in that same range. Yeah, and I have to. I'm in the middle of a big rankings update. I've I've already done tight end and and quarterback. I did the easy ones first. So in the next day or two, uh, that rank might change a little bit as guys move up and down around him. But I don't really expect to move him specifically. Uh, yeah, my my question was tongue in cheek. I would be surprised if he's anything more than a wide receiver two at best, just given their situation there. Now, when McCown returns, uh, you know maybe a little bit more hope. But uh, McCown hasn't returned yet, so we'll we'll take it as it comes, I guess. I mean, do you do you expect McCown to return at all? You know, he's thirty four. He's he's hurt. They they they're going to see what they've got with this rookie. Hugh Jackson reportedly, you know, really likes Kessler. I. I have a hard time seeing Kessler off the field barring a, a, another injury. You don't think it's possible that he plays his way off the field? I mean, at some point, and and I actually had this conversation with somebody, and the thing that struck me is this. If Kessler really is as bad as everybody but Hugh Jackson thinks, if he really does play very poorly, it's going to make it difficult for them to evaluate the rest of the talent on their team, or, or it's going to make it difficult for the rest of their talent to, to continue to evolve. When you look at their wide receivers, they have 8 billion young wide receivers on that team. If you have a quarterback that can't get the ball to them effectively, then it, it kind of stunts their growth. So could I see a situation where Kessler is terrible and they're like, all right, we have to bring in somebody that can, they can utilize what we have here. So we know we have a wide receiver. Yeah, I could see that happening for sure. Uh, who the hell knows? It's the Browns. It, who knows from from day to day, week to week. I assume at some point Kessler is going to get hurt, and they're going to have to sign like Steve Grogan or something. <laughs> well, I mean Charlie Whitehurst. You know, yeah, right. You know, we saw him. He got hurt in in his first game. So yeah. you know, Pryor took snaps, and yeah, so that's that's probably a fair point. Who it's not a safe assumption that he can make it through the season. This uh, sounds healthy. crazy, but just think of this offense with McCown. Duke, Crowell, Barnage, Pryor, Coleman, and Gordon on the field. It's not all of them. I mean, they're that's pretty good. It's I mean, really it's, good. Right. I mean, they could be last year's Jaguars where they're getting blown out. I mean, that they get garbage points like crazy in the fourth quarter, game after game. They go 0-16, but you want a piece of the offense. I mean, we still have to assume, you know, they're not going to be favored in, in any game they play this year. So uh, I think a, a decent chance that they do go winless, and you have to assume they they are going to take a quarterback with the uh, with the first overall pick. So you know Deshaun Watson or you know Deshaun Kaiser, the Notre Dame kid. Those are the two names that I keep seeing near the top of the mock drafts. So you know add in one of those guys, maybe maybe they're legit, and then that's a that's a fun offense in in 2017. It's yeah. a border, it's a borderline fun offense right now with Corey That's Kessler. what I mean, right? I mean, like yeah. for redraft reasons, they could put up fantasy points this year. I mean, even Crowell and Duke and the line's not horrible. Um, Kessler could derail things, though. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, well, let's move on. Uh, our, our main topic of the day is we're going to take a look back at the uh, the rookie draft, uh, the most recent rookie draft, this rookie class of 2016. And we're actually going to do a rookie draft do-over. So uh, we'll do one round. We maybe will even do two rounds, uh, depending on what our time looks like. But we're just going to take a look at where these players were drafted back in the spring and where they're being drafted now as we do this activity. We're going to let our guest, Jeff, you get the first overall pick. So uh, we'll just run through this. Uh, we'll alternate picks, Jeff, then myself, and then Matt. I gave Matt the third spot. I thought he'd really like that. <laughs> <laughs> third spot's interesting right now, too. Uh, it's. I think it's still got to be Zeke. Uh, he hasn't done what a lot of people wanted him to do right out of the gate, especially considering uh, with Romo down, he should be even more featured on that offense. But that said, um, nobody else has really kind of stepped up to take that away from him either. So uh, he's, it's not, this isn't a, I don't like Zeke situation, but it, I, I can't really make an argument for, for moving anybody above him at this point. I mean, Corey Coleman is to me the closest one and he's hurt and missed a week already. So I, I don't know how you can really justify it. I'll take Zeke at one and I'm, I'm still cool with him there. Yeah. And of course he was, he was the number one pick in the majority of drafts. He was, had the, first overall ADP in all of our uh, DLF ADP that, that Scott Fish maintained throughout the offseason. And I agree with you, Jeff. I just don't think anybody has done quite enough to, to take that away from. It, it's funny. It seems like Elliot has been, you know, I think most people might consider him even a disappointment through three weeks. Uh, he's been a top 24 running back, fantasy running back in all three weeks. Uh, he had the big game yardage-wise uh, this past week but was unable to to find the end zone. But everybody else did. Everybody else did. <laughs> From the one-yard line. I had him on my redraft <laughs> team. They gave it to Dunbar. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, he, he's, the RB, he's the RB17, and people that took him first overall in redraft leagues were not expecting him to be the RB17 through three weeks, you know? I think that, that's where that stems from. Yeah, and to me, I mean, for, for our exercise, to me, he's easily number one. But here's the question I just want to throw to you guys because you're in more of these type of leagues. Two quarterback or super flex, are you considering Wentz? I would not be, you know, partly just due to the, the depth at quarterback, which kind of sounds crazy because, you know, all offseason we talked about there's only three quarterbacks and nobody else matters. But now we have four guys that are relevant at least and, uh, you know, maybe even more with some of these – guys like Cody Kessler gaining some value in, in those formats. So I would still take Zeke in, in a super flex or two quarterback league as well. Yeah, I would too. Uh, I very much like Wentz. It's hard not to with what he's done, but it, I'm just quarterback phobic, even in two QB leagues. If it was like a 14 or 16 team league, then the discussion changes a little bit, but in your regular 12 team, two QB league, I'm, I'm sticking with Zeke. Well, I've got the second pick and, and I will take uh, Corey Coleman who Jeff mentioned I, I do think he's he's narrowed the gap quite a bit between himself and Elliot. You know, if you're looking back at ADP from the spring, even before training camp, he was in that group with a couple of other guys, but being drafted usually either third or fourth overall. So I think he's easily jumped the other wide receivers if there was any competition there with what we've seen. Even with the injury, I'm, I'm not too worried about that. I, I am looking forward to, you know, if it's going to be week eight or nine or ten, I want to see him and Gordon together on the field. I'm really interested to see that dynamic. Uh, but I, I think he's pretty easily the second most valuable rookie based on what we've seen so far. I agree with you. I would, I would have taken him there too. You know, now I'm up and there's three receivers I think are really equal here. And I mean, I don't think it's a big surprise. I mean, I think it's Fuller, Shepard, or Treadwell. I really liked Treadwell coming out, and you know, he was clearly my second rookie. But he should be on the field by now. I mean, the guys ahead of him aren't good. <laughs> you know, what's going on there? And once he gets out there, he might light it up, and we'll all be thrilled with him. But you watch Fuller, and he's consistent every year. I mean, he's you know, exceeding expectations. Shepard's consistent every week, and I think Shepard's just a really good player. So if you want to roll the dice, I think you take Treadwell. If you're going to be super safe, you take Shepard especially in a PPR, and then Fuller is kind of somewhere in between because I still think he'll have some down weeks and he'll have some monster weeks. I'm going with Shepard. 
making my pick e- making my pick easy for me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> this is this is, is I would have traded out a one three. Yeah, this is yeah, I would have tried <laughs> to trade back one two. This is as easy of a pick as Zeke was at first overall, I think. It's either Shepard or Treadwell. For me, one of the two has to be in, in these two spots. Uh, yeah, am I a little worried about Treadwell? Of course I am. You have to be. He hasn't been on the field. But this is the same thing we saw with Stephon Diggs last year. I understand he did not carry the draft pedigree or the hype coming in. Maybe this is the Vikings' MO now. I, maybe that's just something for me to hang my hat on. The other thing I want to say about this is, and we talked a little bit this, about this on the our pod this week with Nick, who is uh, not nearly as high in Treadwell as I have been. I, I'm kind of still of the mind that maybe the draft class, the Allen Robinson draft class, the Jordan Matthews and Mari Coo, maybe they wrecked things for us a little bit on a guy like Treadwell. If this had happened five or six years ago, nobody would have really gotten all that excited about it. So I don't know. Maybe he just needs a little time. It sounds like he's having a hard time with the mental side of the game. Mike Zimmer, I believe it was Zimmer. Maybe it was our offensive coordinator. Somebody in the Vikings organization was asked point blank if it's a work ethic issue, and they said no. So if you take them at their word, it just seems like it's it's a, a, a understanding the offense sort of an issue. And uh, I'll take Treadwell here, I guess. Yeah, Treadwell is, is really the interesting guy in this in this type of exercise because he has clearly lost value. He was a guy I was a big fan of. In fact, I was I was really stubborn to even move him out of the one spot, you know, through the I guess the winter and, and spring before finally before finally moving Zeke up in my rankings. But um, yeah, I mean, everything that that you guys have mentioned worries me too. I I can't understand how he can't get on the field in that offense. You know, Adam Thielen and Charles Johnson and these guys who are just nobodies. We said it last week, it offers a little consolation, I guess, that they took things slow with Diggs as well. I mean, hopefully we see Treadwell soon. His dynasty value is just is just collapsing right now. I think you could easily get him for a 2017 first, even if it looks like uh, a late pick. You know, if if you are still a believer, in, and I I am. I mean, overall I am, but this is this is kind of scary. You know what else is scary? The theme for Loot Crate this year. If you're looking for gears, collectibles, housewares, and more from your favorite pop culture franchises, we've got you covered. Loot Crate offers a range of geek and gamer items for less than 20 bucks a month, and it's even cheaper if you use our code. Want to bring your loot to the next level? Get bigger box with even bigger loot with Loot Crate DX. If you're more the type to want your geekly heart on your sleeve, then Loot Wear, our mostly wearable and accessory subscription, is the droid you are looking for. And here we go on this, on Scary. The chill running up your spine is not your imagination. It's a Loot Crate's October theme. Horror. We're taking over 40 years of creepy, campy, bloody icons and putting them in this month's crate. Channel your best final girl with items from The Walking Dead, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Chainsaw Massacre, and Halloween. You have until the 19th at 9 p.m., to subscribe and receive this month's scary crate. And when the cutoff happens, it's the final and that's it. So go to lootcratecom slash dynasty blueprint and save two bucks a month off your loot. That's already under 20 bucks a month. Boo. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> loot, crate, loot crate is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I have a, a buddy that's been a long-time loot crater that uh, actually lives right next door, and uh, I'm I'm a fan of the loot crate. I like it. Oh, give him our promo code. <laughs> I, I gave you the plug right there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm up with the 1.05 pick. This is uh, like Treadwell. This is another guy who has seen his value change a ton, but in his case, it's for the positive, at least as far as I'm concerned. I'll take Will Fuller, the wide receiver from Houston. You know, Matt's already mentioned him a little bit. This is a guy I was avoiding, and you know, I told our listeners and anybody else who would listen to, you know, to ignore this guy. I was willing to take him early in the second round, but I, I didn't even consider him a first-round pick. And he has changed my mind really quickly, especially with his role in the offense. Now, what surprises me the most is, I guess, the amount of attention, the amount of looks he's getting alongside DeAndre Hopkins. You know, in the first game, even. He he saw more targets than Hopkins, which you know while it's just one game, it's it's still something to note. I think 
Um, so I'll take Will Fuller. He was uh, back in the spring. He was being drafted as the ninth overall player. So I, that's about where I saw him most of the time. Sometimes he did fall out of the first round. I didn't really see him go much higher than that, though. To me, that's a great value. That's an easy pick, right? I mean, you didn't consider anybody else, correct? No, that's that's the other thing I was going to say is I think, you know, after these five guys that we've taken so far, Zeke and, and these four receivers, I think there's a little bit of a a drop in value. I, I see one more guy. Thanks for that six pick, too. That's great. Yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Anybody want make make me a deal for one point oh six? I would I would because I think there's a clear, I think there's a clear guy here. So yeah, I'd be happy to trade for you. I, I see a, I see a guy as well. So we'll we'll see who Matt takes, and we'll see Jeff if you and I agree on on who that is. There's three I'd consider, but I'm still taking Doxon. Although the news today isn't wonderful about him, you know, it sounds like they're more concerned. He hasn't seen the field. But this is obviously with thoughts of 2017, although I don't know that Kirk Cousins will be their quarterback in 2017. I could see like Jay Cutler there or something along those lines. But anyways, I think Doxon has a chance to be maybe even their number one next year. So I may I played that up a little bit. There's two other guys I do like. I hope you guys don't take them with the next two picks. Um, but I, I like Doxon here too. I mean, it's, his stock hasn't dropped that much. That is who I would have taken there. I think it's pretty clear, and I think it's closer to Fuller than uh, than Ryan does. I don't. I, I think I still take Fuller at five. I think, but it's pretty close for me. I'm on the other end of this one. Dotson was not a guy I, I really liked through this whole process. I had some concerns about him just a, as far as his age. You know, he had a dominant final college season, but he was also two and three and four years older than some of the guys he was facing. I didn't love the situation, and I still don't there in Washington. I do think they have quarterback questions. Have no idea who their quarterback's going to be in 2017. I would be surprised if it's Cousins, like Matt mentioned. So lots of questions, and then that was even before we knew about all this injury stuff. You know, once that popped up in the in the offseason and the preseason, it, he, it became even more of a red flag for me. I don't think I would take him in the first round of this, you know, of this rookie draft do-over. So that's not who I would have taken. But we'll see if Jeff takes my guy with the seventh pick. There's two guys here, and I'm the tiebreaker for me is one guy plays running back, one guy plays wide receiver. So I'm going to take Michael Thomas. Um, I know that that's this is kind of where he's been taken right along is in this same area. He hasn't done anything to dissuade me from taking him here. He's looked raw, which we kind of expected in spots, but he's also looked really good in spots. He's caught a boatload of passes. His catch percentage is, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but I think he's only got like two or maybe even three targets that he hasn't caught. So uh, on the whole, uh, he's kind of giving us reason to say, hey, we have this one right, kind of like right in the middle of the first round. So here we are at 1-7, and I'll take him. Yeah, I think I think you're right. He hasn't hasn't given us any reason to drop him in value or, or down this draft. He was being drafted as the sixth player in uh in spring rookie drafts and uh, again now coming off the board at seven i think that's that's right about where we would expect him to go kind of maintaining that same value we've we've seen all off season with him yeah Uh, and kind of like you were alluding to there i mean maybe more than any player we've mentioned that his value he's kind of just done been status quo you know we took him at one seven or one six or whatever last in in our rookie draft and you still would and you had him you're not chopping him and you're happy with his progress it's slow it's steady he's in a good offense he's a good player so I mean that that seems like an obvious one to me too yeah and I, I think I'm on board with Jeff here he mentioned the running back that's who I'm taking Derek Henry there are a couple of wide receivers I like one or two who are being drafted in this range uh, in the past few months and then uh, another couple guys who have Made the jump up, but I'm I'm opting for Henry here. He hasn't gotten much playing time this year. DeMarco Murray's playing out of his mind, which is a big surprise to me. But um, I love what we saw from Henry in the preseason, and I think that's you know that'll be his job going forward, maybe as early as as next season. So I'll take Derrick Henry with the eighth pick. And I think all of us would have done Henry there, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think there's a little drop here again. Um, but I'm actually, of my three picks, this is the one I'm happiest about in terms of value. Um, I'll take Dixon, Kenneth Dixon. Uh, I think he's going to come in and change this running game in Baltimore. Um, they have a very good line. 
The left tackle they drafted, Stanley, very much has fit in right away. Still have Yonda. The right tackle, Wagner's playing better. I think Dixon's going to catch a ton of passes in this offense in a Forte-like manner. Uh, I could see the second half of the 2016 season being very impressive for Dixon. You're a rat. (laughs) (laughs) You sniped me. Uh, I I thought he was mine for sure at 10. I love Kenneth Dixon. I've loved him the entire time. And as bad as their running backs have looked, I love him even more now. Uh, I would not be surprised to see him come in and lead that backfield in touches. It sounds like week five. Hopefully he's back. Uh, Forsett has done nothing. Terrence West is still Terrence West. And Buck Allen can't even get on the field, weirdly. So, doggone it. I wanted Dixon there. (laughs) You hurt my my feelings a little bit. Uh, This pains me even more because I traded him to Ryan. I guess Tyler Boyd at 10. Uh, This is another guy kind of right in the area he's been going. He hasn't given us any reason to move him down. If anything, I think he's kind of entrenched himself in this area with a with a real strong showing in the preseason. So I'm cool with Boyd here. I'd rather have I, – I tell you what, I might have actually tried to trade up if this was a real draft to take Dixon there. But uh, now you've gutted me, and I'll take Tyler Boyd. Yeah, Dixon's an interesting call, and like a couple of other guys in this list, you know, we're, we're 10 picks in, and three of these guys – haven't seen the field at all. Dixon has been hurt. Uh, Dotson with uh, with the injury. No, I'm sorry. I guess Dotson has has played. He may not play for for a while now, but he he did get some uh, some run early in the season. And, and then of course Treadwell. I don't know. The Dixon pick actually surprises me. I think I would value him a little bit later, but I, I am interested to see and, and excited to see him on the field. Hopefully he makes his debut this week. I've seen some reports alluding to that. Terrence West had, I think, 45 yards last week, I believe, and that is the, that's the high for a, a single player right. on, the, on the Ravens through three weeks. So, yeah, Jeff, I agree with you. This is, I mean, this looks like Dixon's job to, to run away with. If we did the same exercise 365 days ago, would White and Perriman both stayed in like the top five, top six without ever seeing the field too? Uh, I think White would have for sure. Yeah. We saw, you know, if, if memory serves correct, we saw Perriman's value fall off a little bit. And then, you know, by March and April and May when we were doing the DLF mock drafts, those guys were actually being drafted higher in startups than they were a year ago, despite never playing last year so if it's worst case for Treadwell and he's so bad that he can't see the field the entire year or or it's so such such a bad case for Dotson and he's hurt and he's out for the year I think those guys are still you know still have some value going forward um, and they would still be you know fifth sixth seventh rounders in a startup next uh next year Rookie value is so insulated that first even 18 months. Uh, you and I have both written about that, Ryan. So that's that's just white impairment from last year to this year is good evidence. And I suspect Treadwell will, and Doxon maybe uh, will prove to be evidence of that again next summer. But don't you think it's a heck of a lot different if you're Kevin White or Perryman and you're out for the year and we don't see you out of sight, out of mind, come back, it's like your rookie year, as opposed to Treadwell if there's nothing wrong with you and you still can't get on the field. That is a fair point. That's a that's a very fair point, Matt. I guess I hadn't thought of it from that perspective. Huh? You might. You, I think you have. I think you have a point there. I think that probably does affect his value on reconsideration, instant reconsideration. Look at that. You talked me out of it. <laughs> I changed my mind so easily. I'm a fickle beast. You are. Who's on the clock? <laughs> All right, I'm up. Uh, I'm up with the 11th overall pick, and I'm going to take the first guy who's really seen a major change in value. Uh, Tajay Sharp was being drafted as the 27th overall player uh, back in spring drafts. I think that data is from May. Uh, I, I wanted to use that kind of pre-training camp data. I got him in a couple of different leagues in, in the third round. I saw him slide to the fourth round in a few leagues as well. He's Tennessee's number one wide receiver. Clearly, I think he has that job locked down. You know, he got everyone excited with, with this preseason play. He started well in week one. He hadn't done much in week two or three, but um, as far as a long-term asset, I think he's a pretty easy pick here. That's not who I would have taken. Well, you're up, so who would you take? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll take Howard. I, I said all, all offseason I thought Howard was going to lead the Bears in rushing this, this season, and I think I'll end up being right. Uh, he just is screaming as a John Fox type of running back. 
Maybe they replace him. Maybe Leonard Fournette goes in there the next year. It's possible. But they have so many other needs. I can't see them using what might be the second pick in the draft on a running back. I think you live with this guy for a couple of years. He has a productive rookie season. And I like the player. I don't love him, but I like him. This is an impossible spot for me right now. Those are two yeah. you wanted. Not, not so I'd Sharp, I, I would have taken there for sure. Howard, I'd like. Um, I'd probably try to wait a couple of picks on him. I don't know who I'm supposed to take here. I'm not a big fan of Carew, uh, just in terms of his situation and everything there. Uh, he had, didn't show real well thus far with with, uh, with the Dolphins. Devontae Booker is trapped behind C.J. Anderson, who's my boyfriend. Uh, C.J. Proseis hasn't been able to get on the field, and we already talked about having brawls and now Kristen Michael in front of him. I'm not. I'm not sure what the what the right pick is here. I, I think would it cross your mind to even consider Wentz or Hunter Henry? Um, I mean, it's not my style either. But they both. No, I def- definitely not Henry. I guess you could start considering Wentz here um, now that you mention it. But I think so you're easy to persuade. No, I think I think the pick for me here is is going to be the guy out of those three that I had rated the highest coming into the season, and that's Procise. I know that the situation's not great, but out of those three guy, he, guys, he's the one that I liked the most, and the other two haven't really given me a reason to bump them ahead of him at this point. So I'll go with Procise here. It's not my favorite pick in the world. This is definitely a, a I'd like to trade out of it situation, but um, yeah, I'll go with Procise. All right, so Procise was being drafted uh, the 12th overall rookie back in uh, the spring, so he goes 13th here. This that, that does begin our our second round, and luckily we do have time for that because I think the second round, you know, as as evidenced by Jeff's tough decision there, is where it really gets you know it gets tricky with some of these some of these players, and it's it's that battle of weighing how we valued them three months ago and what we've seen through three weeks. You know, so many of these guys haven't even been on the field, or they've been hurt or they have disappointed or they're a third or fourth round guy that that has maybe surprised us and, and how do we balance and, and weigh all that now so I say all that and I have no idea who I want at the <laughs> 2.02 pick either you know I think I always like to build my teams around uh, around wide receivers uh, so I think I'm going back to the well there I'm, I'm going to take Carew uh, with the 14th overall pick, it's the 2.02. Uh, it it does seem like like a bad spot. He's behind Parker and and Landry, which was the the narrative we heard since he was drafted there. I've been kind of disappointed with the the Dolphins' offense. I think we I think everyone has. You know, Gaze goes there, and and Tannehill has not. He, you know, he put up some some big fantasy numbers last week, but he was terrible in that game against Cleveland. So I have some concerns about this offense, but I'm going basically with the best wide receiver available, which is Carew. And that uh, leads us to the 2.03, which is Matt's pick. There's a handful of running backs I'm still intrigued with that wouldn't mind adding to my roster. But I would have taken Braxton Miller slightly over Carew. And I thought those two were kind of a coin flip. And whoever you didn't take, I was going to take. Um, he's already the slot guy there. You know, he's he's injured, but uh, they love him. And, you know, for him to beat out strong right off the bat like that, I think it says a lot about the guy. And, and the talent, obviously, is not an issue. Yeah, strong is, strong is a guy I liked a year ago in this process. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's just done nothing. Fuller came in and quickly beat him out, which was probably not surprising for a, a first-round rookie pick. But, yeah, Braxton Miller is has bypassed him, too. We can, I think we can drop Jalen Strong in Dynasty, right? I think so, yeah. Almost. He's right on the line. He's like your last guy in your roster Yeah, is, is about where you have to have him. All right, so Braxton Miller was being drafted as the 17th overall player on the board back in May. He comes off 15th at this point. And I, I do think he's gained a little bit of value, so I think that's uh, a solid pick there. And, Jeff, we're back to you. I'm uh... – I don't know, maybe this is off the rails, maybe it's not, but I'm going to go with one of my personal draft favorites. This is about where I have been, had been taking him in rookie drafts, and I'm happy to have him here, and that's Malcolm Mitchell, who uh, I think has looked fantastic in his limited opportunities in New England. And uh, any opportunity for a rookie-wide receiver in that offense has proven very difficult to come by, in part because they're terrible at drafting receivers, I think, but also in part 
because it's not really how they play. But uh, they've they've used him in spots. It's not just like in mop-up time, and he's done well. I'm very excited to see what happens when Brady comes back with him. I'm even more excited to see what happens when we get the inevitable Julian Edelman injury because, let's be honest, Edelman has had trouble staying on the field. He's a little guy who makes a living over the middle, and he plays very physically. I, I, I think Mitchell might be Julian Edelman's replacement. He's 29. Uh, I'm super excited for him. I like him a lot. I understand that he might not get a lot of years with Brady, uh, considering Brady is uh, 73 years old now, but uh, I like Mitchell. I have no problems with you taking Mitchell here, but I don't see him as an Edelman, Amendola, Welker slot guy. When I say when I say take over, I don't know if I necessarily mean in a direct role. I mean more in okay. terms of more in terms of like leading the team in receptions, sort of a situation, like the go to non Gronk receiver. I guess I should have sure. made it clear. I'm sorry. And you know they're going to adapt to whatever personnel they have. Ex- they're better at it than anybody, and they have been for a long mm-hmm. time. So I love when when drafts go this way because at 14 I was considering Carew and a couple of other guys from other positions. So I go Carew, and then you guys grabbed your favorite wide receivers in that range too. And now I will take uh, I'll take Hunter Henry, the tight end. Um, you, you know I think he's he's what we wanted Ladarius Green to be as far as being the heir apparent to uh, to Antonio Gates. I think. This has to be Gates' last season, surely. Uh, you know, Henry already got to start last week with Gates injured. It sounds like he'll miss some more time. Henry played well. He saw five targets and caught them all uh, and then fumbled the game away at the end. But overall, I think it's uh, a good start for Henry. And in the mid-second round, 2.05, uh, I like that value. That's uh, it's a little bit higher. He was going 22nd overall, so he was going more towards the end of the second round back in the spring. I got no qualms with that. Playing with rivers, and that's going to rise too. I think we're going to see good things from him continued with with Gates out. So I think that's a good pick. All right, we're up to the two point oh six pick, the eighteenth overall pick, and Matt, that one's on you. I'm taking Carson Wentz, and I'm not a believer in investing quarterbacks at all. Um, I don't think he's going to be a great fantasy player for 2016, but they might use a first round pick on a receiver. You know, they might go get a guy in free agency, and I think he's legitimately great. I'm very much a believer. I've, I'm driving the hype train. Not, not only am I on it, but I, I'm, I'm throwing coal right in the fire and choo-chooing right along. I think he's a very special player. Um, I know this isn't how fantasy works, but if one guy or two guys from this draft class end up in the Hall of Fame someday, I think it's Carson Wentz or Zeke Elliott. So I think what happened, and I mentioned earlier about the quarterbacks that, you know, everybody knew there were three quarterbacks to worry about, and we didn't really have to scout anybody else. But it's it's Wentz and Goff and Lynch, the three first-rounders. And I think what happened in rookie drafts is nobody really knew what to do. Nobody knew how to compare those three right. against each other. So we all just let them fall. Um, Wentz, you hope somebody else takes one, and then you get the third guy. Right. <laughs> right. I yep. mean, I got. I don't think I got Wentz. I think I maybe got him in one league. I don't think I got golf anywhere. I, get, I took Paxton Lynch in the fourth round of of one league. But Wentz, Wentz's ADP was thirty overall, so he was you know he was falling to the mid the mid third round, and and now he goes eighteen, which I think is you know is perfectly acceptable. In, in fact, I saw. Our buddy Carl Safchik kind of did his own, uh, I guess, first-round rookie mock based on these first three weeks. He had Wentz in the first round. I don't, I don't see Wentz or or any of these quarterbacks as first-rounders in a in a dynasty league, but in the mid-second, I think that's that's a steal. I, I've got him in two leagues, uh, one, both superflex, I should say. One I got him at one twelve, and another one we're actually not moving to superflex until twenty seventeen. Uh, in that draft, Paxton Lynch went 107. Jared Goff went 109. I bet you he wishes he could have that pick back. Boy, sure. I, I got Wentz all the way at 205, so right about where he is in this in this draft. Now, that was obviously in August before he'd even played a preseason game, but uh, I could not be more thrilled. And once again, Matt has sniped me and put me in a position. Uh, I'm going to reveal the two guys I'm considering here. Devontae Booker is still on the board. Now, in our latest ADP, Ryan, he's the 12th rookie off the board. It's a little surprising he's still there. But, man, he's buried behind C.J. Anderson. He needs an injury to matter. 
So um, I've almost taken Booker on my last three picks. Yeah, I, really, you know. I, and Booker's it's not for him. It's not even necessarily a talent issue. It's a CJ Anderson is really good and entrenched issue. So I'm going to take a guy who I think has a much clearer path to opportunity, even though I don't like him as much as I like Booker, uh, and that's DeAndre Washington. Uh, to, who it's to me, it's one of those two guys here, and I think Washington's the guy. He's already got 17 carries. He's part of this weird committee in Oakland, and he's looked really good. Now it's been against three pretty terrible defenses, but uh, Oakland seems to like him, so I'm going to do the DeAndre Washington thing. Yeah, I think Washington and and Booker, you know, those are both guys, you know, perfectly acceptable to consider in that range. Booker was the 15th rookie off the board, so he was an early second rounder back in the spring. Washington wasn't quite on the radar yet. He was falling uh, towards the end of the third round. He was 32nd overall. I would prefer Washington as well, and uh, I'm actually on the clock again. It's close with me between a run, another running back, not Booker, and, and another player. I think I'm going to take uh, Wendell Smallwood. So Smallwood was the 46th rookie overall back in May. Nobody really knew much about this guy. Um, what we knew is Ryan Matthews was probably going to get hurt. And what has happened is Ryan Matthews got hurt. Um, so Smallwood led the team in carries in Week three, he led the team in yards, scored his first career touchdown, and and then Doug Peterson said, even when Matthews comes back, we're going to stick with this committee. You know, I love the talent of Matthews, but I just hate his, I hate his body. He can't he can't stay on the field. So I think Smallwood in this range is is a pretty good value. I don't have a qualms with that. There's a, a running back or two I would have taken ahead of Smallwood. And back to Washington real quick, and this might not kill him. I mean, I think he'll be their passing down back, you know, for the foreseeable future. But of every of the, of the 32 teams in the league in this great running back class coming up, I might vote on the Raiders to be the one that – if you get one chip to put down, what team's going to use a first-round pick on a running back? I might pick the Raiders for that. I think that's very fair. Yeah, I mean, because they've built everything else almost. I mean, sure, they could use a slot receiver. They could use another corner. But – they might take Leonard Fournette. Um, I'm on the clock. I'm taking Booker. We've overtalked him. He just fallen too far. If CJ gets hit by a truck or something. Your boyfriend Booker is going to be a stud. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take one of my other boyfriends here because I have so many boyfriends. Uh, Kenyon Drake. Speaking of running backs, we're kind of on a running Ooh. back run here. This is four in a row. He wouldn't uh, be my boyfriend. Drake. Drake has had some opportunity here. Uh, I'm well on the record of saying they know what they have with Ajayi and they don't like it. Uh, Williams and Isaiah Pede are Damian Williams and Isaiah Pede. If I'm the Dolphins who have gotten abysmal production out of the running back position, I would just give it to Booker like 18 times and hope he breaks one at this point. So uh, I, I, I'm not like in love with Kenyon Drake. I'm more in love with uh, the upside at the price sort of a situation. And that's kind of where I've been with him all off season. So I'll take Drake. All right. With my last, uh, with the last pick I made, um, Smallwood, I mentioned being torn between him and another player and that guy fell. So I'm going to take Dak Prescott. Uh, I think he's, uh, I think he's risen up the board that far. He's above golf and Lynch for me. Um, I don't think, you know, I don't think we'll ever see Tony Romo again, which I, I hate because I'm a pretty big Romo fan in, in in real life, not necessarily in fantasy. But at the end of the second round, if if we know he's the Cowboys starter for the next five years, I love that pick. And in the late second round, I'm willing to take a chance that that's the case. I think that's a good pick. The only thing I my only qualms with that, and I actually said this on the podcast, one of my 400 podcasts that I'm a part of this morning that I think this situation in Dallas is pretty clear, though. I mean, when Romo's ready, he has to be the quarterback. I mean, Dak's super impressive, but I think Romo's the quarterback of the rest of the way. And then when the offseason comes, you say, hey, Tony, you're expensive and you're fragile and you're a China doll. Adios, Dak, here's your team. But other than that, I agree with 100% what you said. Well, you know, it's it's a similar case with what we're seeing with, with J.J. Watt, unfortunately. And – you know, when the Romo news broke, 
that he had this back injury, I saw someone tweet, no one used to have a bad back. You know, you, right, if, you have, right. if you have a bad back, that's, that's you your future. Will. You always <laughs> will have a bad back. So, you know, there's no point probably in Romo's life and certainly not in this season that we're going to say, okay, he used to have a bad back, but now he's ready to play. Um, I hope we see him. I, like I said, I, I'm a big Romo fan. I want to see him back out there, but I'm not holding my breath on that. Ryan, I know that's the end, but I have one quick question. Uh, the, here, I'm going to add a burning question at the end. Okay, well, I'll tell you, let, let's actually – Matt has one pick left. Oh, does he have one left? Yeah, I'm sorry, Matt. I tried to skip you there. Maybe you'll take the guy I'm going to ask about. Okay, so we're – Maybe, because I am, I am torn between two running backs from the Giants and the Lions. It was, it was, was your boy Washington going to come into this conversation? I, I was going to ask where he goes on rookie drafts now. Yeah, that was the yeah. guy's – well, I think it's a coin flip between Perkins and Washington, and I think both of them have great opportunity right now, too. I mean, they both could have substantial carries going forward in their rookie year. I liked Perkins, obviously, like everyone else did more, you know, uh, before, you know, as a college prospect coming out. Vereen is out for the season, I think. Jennings is always hurt. Is Perkins about to step up and be a contributor? We haven't really heard that, but it just seems logical. Uh, and Washington, to me, is – possibly the guy that wins you your redraft league so uh what's your guys votes on those two i think i'm gonna do perkins just because i liked them a little more before but i I make a strong case for either yeah i think i'd go perkins as well um but i I really like washington he was a guy i I just kind of stashed um early in the season or early in the uh i'm sorry late in the off season And, and part of that was you know they had i think they had already cut ridley by that point I know some people like Zinner. I'm not one of those. I didn't really see him as, as any kind of threat. And I didn't really, I don't really like Abdullah either. And of course now, unfortunately he's out for the season as well. So is he out for the year though? (laughs) I know he's on IR, but I thought he might return. Yeah, I guess there, you know, that's, we talked off air about the, the the injury report and the questionable tag and, and the confusion that that has, has led to and the whole the IR designated to return is is equally confusing. So, you know, we've heard that with Peterson that he's he's out for six months or maybe he'll be back in week eight or um you know, so Abdullah's another one of those guys that maybe right. he maybe he comes back or maybe he's out for the year. But either way, he's out for a while and, and Dwayne Washington will get a big chance. I think Washington is probably still on some dynasty waiver wires and, and if that's the case, make sure you're you're changing that in the next couple of days so if we're going Perkins with the uh, 212 pick the 24th overall and the last pick of this activity he was the highest guy left he was the 13th uh, overall pick in back in our May data some other guys that were kind of up there that we did not draft Pharaoh Cooper was 14th overall Uh, he did not get drafted I don't think he's played yet dealing with an injury Uh, his teammate Jared Goff we mentioned him and and that's 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 a rough situation too. He's kind of the Laquan Treadwell of quarterbacks. Can't, he <laughs> yeah. can't he can't beat out bad players. Another Ram was twentieth overall. Mike Thomas, uh, I think he has played but hasn't done much. Uh, and then Paxton Lynch, and then a, a few guys that people liked that just uh, look like nothings in Dynasty. Uh, Keith Marshall, Kiaris Garrett, uh, Kenny Lawler. All those guys were in that second third round range. The, I guess the only other guys I kind of like would be the other tight ends, Austin Hooper and Tyler Higby. I, I don't think they're second rounders, but they would be probably coming off the board early in the third round for me. What about what about Jonathan Williams? That was a name I didn't hear you mention. Yes, yeah, he was twenty fourth overall back in May. I, I'm I've been really surprised he hasn't gotten more of a shot. Um, you know, especially with the Carlos Williams um, yeah. issues. And I, I Bush has been terrible. Yeah, Bush is doesn't really have a role there. Uh, Mike Gillisley is, you know, is obviously just a guy. So maybe maybe we see some more of Jonathan Williams uh, through the the back half of the season. Paxton Lynch is another guy that I would have grabbed here soon, though. Too, I don't. Th- I know Simeon put up nice numbers last week, but I think he's a total jag, and Lynch goes past him in no time. Yeah, I agree. He would have to. He would have to come off the board as well, uh, pretty soon. So let's go back to golf just really quickly before we wrap up. Is he a guy that 
I mean, are, are you believing this or is it as far as that he's terrible basically, or do you think it's just a case of a slow start or a slow transition for a rookie? I don't know. I mean, I kind of wish they weren't on hard knocks because I watched it and I'm like, eh. <laughs> I mean, and, um, I didn't love him coming out, but I respect his game and I think he can be a quality player. You know, a lot of people have wisely said, you know, look at the coaching staff differences in Philadelphia and Los Angeles. I mean, all the way down to quarterback coach and experience. He really ha- doesn't have a, a great track record of guys coaching him up right now. Um, I don't know. I'm not ready to flush him by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, there's no way they're going to pick him first overall and he's not going to get a chance to start at a minimum at the beginning of next year. I'm, I'm having a hard time. He was my – of the the three quarterbacks people would have considered taking as the first quarterback, he was the guy that I liked the most uh, in a virtual tie with Wentz, but I gave him the slight edge. And to me at this point, I look back at that and I think that was a flaw in my process that basically comes down to exactly what you said. You have Doug Peterson, former quarterback as the head coach in, in uh, Philadelphia and you have Jeff Fisher and that abject disaster in L.A. Now, to be fair, at the time, there was kind of a consensus sort of a feeling that that the Rams were going to let Fisher coach out this season to make the transition into L.A. and then perhaps move on. But, man, that's just not how the Rams have worked. I don't know what Jeff Fisher has, if it's naked pictures of the ownership group or what. But he's he's – I don't know if he signed the, the, the extension, but there's – basically there's at least one that's – apparently all written down, ready to be signed. They just haven't gotten there yet. It just doesn't bode well for Goff. Even if he ends up being a decent player, contrary to what we've seen thus far, man, that situation, just how does that get better with with Jeff Fisher as the head coach? He's truly awful. I mean, he's truly and legitimately awful. Well, and I think You have to factor in that Sam Bradford was also in the picture too when you made these picks too. that, that That is a very fair point. I think the bigger concern in that conversation, Jeff, is Todd Gurley, you know, because even if you have Jared Goff on your, on your dynasty roster, you probably spent a a third round pick on him. And and even if he's Jamarcus Russell level bust, so what? Mm -hmm. But Gurley is the guy that we spent the one Oh one on last year. He's the guy that was a first round uh, dynasty startup pick this past off season. And now he looks terrible too. He, you know, he saved his, his stat line last week with a couple of touchdowns, but his yards per carry uh, was, was still not good. And I know that's, that's not necessarily a go-to stat, but he's just, you know, he has no room to run in that offense and they know they're not going to throw the ball, at least not effectively. Um, so he's the one I'm more worried about in that conversation. He's, that's a terrifying situation. It's a bad offensive line. It's a bad game script. They have 14 guys in the box. Every single play is what it looks like that he's running up against the these impossible fronts. 2.9 yards per carry. Uh, Trent Richardson would be embarrassed with that. You know, I mean, it's been really, really rough. And Gurley was my Gurley was uh, in the SFB and and like the Scott Fish type leagues where you get a quarter point per carry. He was my first overall ranked pick guy person. <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm not feeling very good about that. There's probably a reason that I'm 0-3 in SFB. <laughs> and dynasty and fantasy aside, I mean, just the NFL lover and analyst it looks at him, and, and I just go, are we going to be robbed of Todd Gurley? I mean, what the greatness that could be, is is this how this career is going to go for two or three years, and then he's going to blow out a knee again, and that's, you know, boom, he's gone? This is what Jeff Fisher does to us, guys. I mean, it's it's the we shouldn't be surprised. That's for sure. He's right. he's not given us any reason to think that anything else will ever happen. It's uh, it's bitterly disappointing. It's definitely one of those cases where you know it, it feels like us as just fantasy players and guys sitting on a couch know way more than than NFL head coaches. And we we don't though. By the way. No, we don't know more, but I, <laughs> the, 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 this is a this is a, a really interesting conversation. I know that we're probably running a little long here, but if, it's not just about knowledge. At some point, it almost seems like ego or stubbornness kind of takes over. I wouldn't pretend for half of a day that I know a tenth of what Jeff Fisher knows, but that doesn't make him not terrible. You know what I mean? It's one of oh, those right. things where 
compared to the other 31. And exactly, exactly. And you're also 100% right. I mean, I've been with teams, and with one of the teams I was with, our special teams coordinator, who's still a special teams coordinator and making money and doing really well. I used to look at him and said, if he was not a NFL coach, I think he pumps gas for a living. You know, like I can't believe that anyone would hire him to mow my lawn. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> and you know, whatever. And there definitely is some stubbornness. There's certainly some old boys club involved. You know, like I remember sitting in the Browns. You know, and we were terrible, and we knew everyone was getting fired. And I'm still. There's no way I'd be the first one to walk out of the building, even though if I've watched the same tape four times, I was sitting there and waiting for somebody else to leave. I wouldn't be the first guy to go. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, let's call it a day on that. And uh, <laughs> Jeff, we want to thank you for joining us. And just just let our, all our listeners know where they can find your work. At FF Jeff M on Twitter. If you're expecting pure fantasy football content, please do not follow me. I uh, <laughs> it's about thirty percent football and seventy percent nonsense and me arguing. So uh, just giving you the heads up, and then you can find me every well. I think it's supposed to be Saturday morning on DLF with five burning questions, but I don't usually submit the article until about twelve hours after my deadline. But anyhow, Saturday, Sunday ish, you can find me with five burning questions. Or four or seven or or seven or whatever the heck it is. And uh, then you can find me on the podcast at DLF podcast is a Twitter handle for that. Uh, You can find us where fine podcasts are sold everywhere. Thanks a lot, Jeff. And we'll be back next time with more dynasty blueprint.